Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Raj Mahal Show. I know I've been away for a little while, caught the flu, which was no fun, been locked up at work, finishing up some exams, and things have been getting pretty crazy, so it's been a hectic few weeks, but had the chance for this episode to get someone who I've been interested in hearing from for a while now, someone I misjudged completely by falling for the fantasy and staging of reality TV, and someone who more recently is coming up as a comic in New York City, from season two Indian matchmaking, Vishal Kalyanasundaram. A great dude, great talent, someone who I really enjoy chatting it up with. We got into the show, his experience and life after, what his Indian heritage and upbringing has been like, and how his run as a comic is going. So we get a little deep too at the end and talk about the stigma of mental health in the South Asian male community specifically. And it was really open and really interesting. Vishal is going to be back out here in the Bay come the holiday time and he's got some shows lined up, so definitely check it out on his IG. And lastly, if you're enjoying that pod, hit that follow button. Let's go to it with Vishal. This is the Raj Mahal Show. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Raj Mahal Show. This is episode four. And today with me, I've got someone that I think we've all kind of seen a lot of lately. Someone who's making a name for himself as a comic in New York City. Someone we watched on Netflix. So with me today is comic and season two Indian matchmaking guest. Vishal Kalyanasundaram. Vishal, what's up, man? What's up, dude? That's high praise. I don't know if that many people have seen me, but thanks for saying that, I guess. <laughs> no, I you're know. definitely making your following on uh, in the in the comic space, definitely, for sure. I mean, I know a lot of people have like, gone seeing you in New York, and obviously the show is the show, so. Yeah, yeah. it is what it is, you know. <laughs> so, uh, where, so you're calling in from New York City. You're originally from the Bay. Um, where, so you're from San Jose originally? I'm from San Jose originally up and you're in San Francisco right now. Yeah. Yeah. In San Francisco. What, uh, and then what, so you, when did you move to New York city? I moved here a year ago, like a year and a couple months ago. Um, just been hanging here ever since. Okay. So I guess the million dollar question that I think everyone in SF is wondering is what's better at San Francisco or New York city? Is that loaded question? Is that a serious? I mean, yeah, kind of, because like everyone yeah. from San Francisco wants to move to New York City. So, did the answer, it goes without saying. That's not even a question. Obviously, New York. It's, <laughs> I mean, New York has everything that you could get in SF, just better. I think yeah. it's it's more fun, better public transportation. The one thing I will say I miss about SF is the food. I do feel like there's a lot of good food in SF, and there's good food in New York too. It's a little more scattered and it feels to me harder to access because it's all more spread out whereas in SF really? neighborhood you could get every a really good restaurant of every type of cuisine at a good price i felt like uh okay interesting I, i've actually i've actually heard the opposite about that because like as far as access goes i mean everything closes at like 9 9 p.m here so like yes. at least for food and stuff so it's come come 9 p.m there's no like late nights pizza spots or like even Taco Bell closes at 11, 11 p.m., which is like that is true. You can't horrible. get food. my I, like I'm not even capping. I think one of the reasons I originally like wanted to move to New York so bad when I was in college was because of halal. Like I interned in New York twice uh, over the summers, and I ate halal probably fifty percent of my evenings. <laughs> <laughs> I just come back from work and just get like five dollar combo of rice. Oh yeah, and then yeah, finding stuff for five dollars in San Francisco is a little, 
you're not going to get much. So well, now everything's gotten more expensive, but back then, seven years ago, it was five dollars. Now it's like ten dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, where? Um, what do you do in New York? Uh, same thing I did in SF. You know, my day job. I'm still a software engineer. Uh, night job. I still do my comedy and other stuff. Okay. And we'll get into the comedy and stuff too, but did you kind of pick that up once you got to New York? Did you start that out here? No, I started, uh, back in the Bay. I'm, I'm just about to hit like four years in comedy. So by comedy standards, it's still pretty new. You know, they, yeah, it takes like seven to 10 years to be like, okay, a comedy. Um, but yeah, I started that out in SF. Oh, for sure. Did you play like any of like the clubs here? Or play. I mean, uh, yes, I did cops a little bit. I did some of the other miscellaneous clubs. One of the things I never got to do was uh, like play at the punchline because oh, yeah. right as I was about to like go up, I put in my time of like waiting and to like get featured there at the showcase and COVID hit. And then right as they reopened, I moved to New York. And so it was just like bad timing. And every time I go back, I like hit them up and I'm like, can I get a spot? And they're like, you don't. You're not a Bay Area comic anymore, so it's a lot of drama that I'm. Oh, making. that's what they. Wow. Okay. I know, dude. I'm it's. Busy about it. <laughs> yeah, that's like such a terrible reason not to let someone perform. I know. Um, but you were just out here, right? I think you did some shows in Alameda, or in Oakland, or something. I did uh, some shows in a lot of East Bay shows, like Oakland, Alameda, some SF shows. I'm coming back uh, for three weeks at the end of the year, and I got a bunch of shows lined up, so that'll be good. All right, I'll try. I'll try to hit them up. So I'll be do. here. So yeah, we can hang out. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, all right. I want to kind of talk about your your experience on the show. So for those of you who don't know, you really should. Michelle was on season two of Indian Matchmaking, and I'm really curious, and I've been really meaning to ask you. But before I before I get to, it, I do want to preface this by saying I want to apologize to you actually, because oh. I was definitely one of those guys that bought in and fell into all of the drama of the show. And I was just like, dude, fuck that guy, the show. I, uh, I was definitely one of those guys. And then, you know, now that I've been kind of like, you know, following your stand up like uh, clips and I've been listening to your podcast as well, kind of hearing about your experience and stuff. I do want to retract that. And I do want to own up and be, be completely upfront with you about that. But it was fun watching for sure. And it was uh, definitely a really good entertainment. Oh, that's so funny. Can I ask you more about that? Because I'm curious, like what, uh, what originally made you have that reaction and what maybe specifically changed your mind? Yeah, I think for sure, like for one, it was just all like, it's all like the way they staged it and I, yeah. I would assume edited it and stuff. And like, I think there was obviously, you know, I think everyone loves Nadia and everyone loved watching naughty on season one and then going into season two and like that filming that breakup scene live in la was just like you know it i would i, I want i would like to think or like i want to say that like it made you look really really bad and then then, then they showed sh- the scene with shaker i think i guess that was before before this and like you know that which i also listened to nadia talk about it a little while ago where she had said like she had no idea where that came from because that like they had, that was all maybe like a year or so before or whatever like that. Like, mm-hmm. so she was surprised by like, his reaction. And like, when you don't know those things, you kind of, you know, when you just fall for the reality TV, that's what, 
that's kind of what like instigated my reaction to all of that. For sure. Can I ask you what about the breakup made it look bad? Because it's hard for me to watch it with a blank slate because in my mind, I have the reality of the situation. I have all the context. I don't know what's missing from people when they see it. I think just really what it is, is just like everyone automatically took Nadia's side regardless. Like, I think you could have said something way worse or something way, I don't know how much better that could have actually gone. I thought it was a very like mature way to, to end a relationship, if you want to call it that. And, um, but like, like I said, like when you're so caught up in the drama and you're so caught up in, you know, like you standing up and walking away and depending the camera on her and her breaking down, like you do feel for her. And like, like mention how me getting up and walking away, like that was the producers telling me, like, they were like, all right, now you get up and leave. Dude, I, I want to hear all about this. I, I want to hear all about this. This is, uh, I mean, I think one thing I was wondering though, so like, were you, were you at, was it a coincidence that you were in LA or did they fly you out to LA to do this scene? They flew me out to do that. Like it had to be done in LA. It couldn't have been done in New York city. I, I feel like I've mentioned this on a couple of podcasts before, but I'm happy to say it again. So that probably happened. That was November last year, maybe like a week before Thanksgiving or whatever. It was a Saturday. I had FaceTimed her to tell her I didn't want to continue the relationship maybe two weeks prior multiple times over FaceTime. Uh, and so she already well knew where my feelings were at. And then I told the producers, I was like, hey, we're breaking up. And then they were like, hey, can you come out to LA to do this breakup again on camera? And I was like, I don't really want to do that. And then the producers took some time and they came back to me and they were like, all right, well, if you don't want to do it on camera, you won't be able to tell your side of the story. And I was like, okay, I guess that means I got to come out to LA. And so they flew me out to make me do it again in person. Ah, damn. That sucks. <laughs> I yeah. mean, damn. And like, so then, so, I, so Nadia was kind of expecting it and it was all on board and stuff with that. I mean, yes, so. I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. One of the things people were like, they're like, dude, it's so savage that you just came out and flew out to break up with her and she had no idea. And I'm like, she kind of, you definitely had an idea. Exactly, yeah. So that's that's something like, yeah, we, we didn't. I don't think any of the viewers actually knew for yeah. for obvious reasons. And obviously, when you don't factor all that stuff in, it just makes the whole thing look a lot worse than it actually was. Yeah, um, for sure. But I don't so, know. Can I ask what changed your mind though? I think really just listening to. Well, for one, I think it was like a little bit of like just removing yourself from the element and like thinking back to, well, I, I think for one, I guess I, I have met a few people that I think like we, we have a lot of common friends, I think here in the Bay Area. Yeah. So like one of them, you know, a good friend of mine, Vinay, was like telling me that you're not like from what he knew of you, because I think he met you, you guys went to Berkeley together. And um, what he was saying, like, that's definitely not like what I knew him to be like and stuff like that. And so he was like a little surprised by the way you were portrayed on the show. And then, so I kind of like, that's when I started to take a step back and be like, all right, wait a minute. Like, first of all, I'm also, you know, I've been in relationships and I've had like those kind of, you know, when you have to have those kind of honest conversations and stuff too. And like, I was just kind of thinking like, what if someone just like manipulated everything that I had said and just made me look bad, like yeah. that very easily could have happened with what's some of the things that I've said and some of the things I've done. So it was yeah. just really more of like a, maybe just take yourself out of watching this show 
and just think through it a little bit. And then I kind of watched, I listened to Nadia go on a couple of shows. I listened to yours. I was, uh, I saw you did one bit where like, uh, only on like Indian reality TV can somebody make me look like a fuck boy. Yeah. And I was like, that's what I kind of like really was realized like, all right, maybe, maybe I was completely wrong in this. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I don't really, I'm not, I don't take it all seriously any which way. Cause I'm like, this is the, the nature of reality TV. Like people like, it's fun to hate on people. Like I'm, I've done that, you know? And I don't <laughs> think anyone who like is hating on me actually hates me. Uh, yeah. So I'm not like too caught up about it. Yeah, for sure. And like the reality is nobody actually knows anyone in that show, but then like yeah. you get so emotionally invested into it and it's, the same with any any like the bachelor yeah i don't know any other reality tv show so yeah. how did you kind of end up on the show like how did they find you and stuff i just applied online i think i found a, a link to it somewhere i got an email to a link to apply to some show the email was like we're looking for singles who want to be who are indian who want to be match made with a matchmaker we're not going to tell you the name of the show. I'm like, I have a pretty good idea of what this is. <laughs> I filled out all the information, threw some pictures in, talked about what I was looking for, my status, what my parents wanted, things yeah. like that. And they just like kind of hit me back. We just kind of kept the process going from there. Okay. Yeah. Like when, so the show came out in 2022, but like, when did you kind of get that first like email and, you know, I think the all first stuff. email probably came in like February or March of 2022, 2021. Sorry. Okay. And then there were interviews happening. It was like a really slow process. So like maybe like gotcha. once a month or two months I would hear okay. from them. And then in August, I kind of got like confirmed for the show. And then all the shit that was with me was filmed in the span of like October to November. Like it was a very short timeline. Of uh, 2021? Yeah. Like oh, okay. When I met Nadia and when we broke up was like a month. Okay. Six weeks. Gotcha. Damn. All right. I thought it was a little bit more like a faster process. I was like, damn, maybe I can get onto season three, but I don't even know where to find an application link. So that's probably yeah. going. Wrapped, I think. Yeah, I'm sure. But if they do season so, four, you know, I'll let you know. Dude, for sure. I think uh, I think it would be pretty funny if I was on there. I think uh, I think it obviously be a first initial reaction for everyone would be like, wait, this guy's Indian? Yeah. <laughs> Why is he even on this show? And then what do, what do people normally think you are? Oh man. Irish, Russian. I mean, I, I do try to like make it very clear when I meet people. Um, I mean, they hear my, like they'll meet my, they'll, I feel like most people just don't want to ask. So like, I'm very like articulate and like, so if I meet someone who's Indian, I say very clear, like my name is Raju. If I meet like people like you know non-Indian people, I'm yeah, I'm Raj or you yeah. know Raju or something like that. And then like they're just like, oh, that's a unique name, and they don't really care to ask anymore. But with Indians specifically, like yeah, like I will say it very clearly, and like a lot, I can see it in their face too. They're like, what? Like what the hell? And sometimes I'll like trigger it out of them to like, yeah, no, I, I know what you're thinking, yeah. and uh, so yeah. Where's your family from in India? Uh, South India, so Andhra Pradesh. Yeah, so we speak Telugu at home. Nice. My family's Tamil. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so my my dad is – my dad was born in, in Andhra, but then kind of grew up and went to college in Tamil Nadu. So he's, he's Tamil by heart. 
Like, oh, where, where did he go to college? He went to a school in Coimbatore called, uh, it's called GCT. I think, damn, government something. Sure. Government College of Technology or something, maybe. Cool. So. Would you say yeah. you're like pretty Indian? Do you feel pretty connected to the culture? Yeah, I, I would say I'm very Indian. In <laughs> um, what way? Well, I think somebody was also talking to me about this. Like, I think Indians who like, who grow up in the U.S. of like immigrant parents, like first generation, are I've I've been told that like the cultures are like I always get told that I'm more by people who come from India. Like a lot of my friends, I'd say most of my friends here in SF are from India, and mm-hmm. they always tell me like, "Dude, you're you're more Indian than I am." And I feel like that's always like a loaded statement, but I feel like culturally, like, yeah, like I, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know how, I guess how to answer this specifically, but like, I'm very in touch with it. Like I watch all the movies. I, you know, I celebrate all the holidays. I listen to Bollywood music. I speak the language. I'm, I'm I'm comfortable in Indian culture. I think it's a big one. Well, are you religious? Yeah, I'd I'd say so. Yeah. Um, Yeah. My uh, my family grew up in something called Iskon. If you're kind of familiar with that, Hare Krishnas. Hare Krishnas, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so very, very. My parents are very, very devout. Uh, I am a little bit more removed from kind of like the strictness of it. I would say, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty religious in that regard. Got How it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like one of the big problems for me in connecting with. Indian parts of Indian culture is that I'm not religious, like generally, like fundamentally. It, I actually really enjoy Hindu mythology and, you know, the stories and like the ideas. But like one thing I could never get behind was like what you're talking about, like the strictness of religion. Mm-hmm. And I think like I really like the Jewish model, you know, where a lot of people are like, I'm Jewish. I'm culturally Jewish, but I don't necessarily believe in God in these ways, but they still feel connected to, you know, the Jewish culture. I hope that like Hinduism and India can get to a point where it's like that. Cause like India is a country where like Hinduism is so deeply ingrained, in, like everything we do, you know? And so yeah. I wish I could like appreciate that without feeling like, Oh man, like it's loaded with all these ideas of religion and God that are like sometimes difficult for me. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, I think you're starting to see that now, I think with more people in our generation and, and stuff. And I think you kind of also see it here in the U S a little bit too. I think a lot of people, I mean, I I don't want to get too much into it, but I think a lot of people come and they inject religion into politics and stuff. And I mean, especially like with the recent Supreme court ruling, like, you know, when, when you don't have that separation in your mind and you think that, like, I, I, I get into this argument with people all the time, like, you can never let, and this is why they had it in the Constitution, the separation of the two. Yeah. Like, when you, I feel like people don't do a good job of separating your beliefs for what you're going to impose onto others. And that just because you support this as a law or as a, you know, philosophy doesn't mean that you need to believe in it. You just believe in the choice of it. And so... I, I think a lot of people just aren't mature enough to be religious. And I think that's what the, what the problem is. So that's um, a really good way to put it. People, a lot of people aren't mature enough to be religious. Cause it is like a lot of times it feels like it can be used as a weapon. A lot of people do weaponize it mm-hmm. and use, create like this false sense of like morality and like 
a high ground when in fact they're not like, like you're saying mature enough to be like religion is much more accepting than it is judgmental. Yeah, for sure. Um, how would you say like, like what I had this question kind of at the end, like what has your Indian experience been like? I think, and I, and I mean that more like as like a first gen Indian, like you you can throw in stere the, like the stereotypical things you can store in, like how it's, affected like your lifestyle and identity like how, how would you say your, what was your indian experience been like yeah i mean i definitely feel like it's been really tough in a lot of ways and it's something that i i think i used to think about a lot more and now i don't think about it as much but like i think it's something where like growing up i was really ashamed of it and tried to deny it not like in, in a way that it was innate but just because i was like it was a way for other kids to like target me and bully me. You know, I remember like my mom told me this story recently that I didn't remember at all, but it was like kind of sad when she told me, cause I was like, damn, it's something that she experienced. But like my mom was picking me up one day after baseball practice. And like, I was sitting by myself away from all the other kids who were practicing. And my mom was like, why are you not hanging out with the other kids and practicing? And she goes, and little me goes like, yeah, they don't want, to let me play with them because of race. And then my mom was like, pick me up. And I was like, wow, what the fuck? Like, that is just like a subconscious memory and experience I have that's like buried down inside me, you know? Probably affects the way I am today. So, yeah. Okay. So I'm actually, all right. That's actually really, really good to know. Cause I was going to, I didn't know because you grew up in the Bay Area, which was, I think a lot, obviously there's a big Indian population here, so. I was a little reluctant to ask that question, but like, thanks, thanks for bringing it up. Like what, so you said, what was, what was like the worst, like bullying experience you had because of being Indian that you would say? Um, I think like a lot of the bullying and I think like, you know, it was being Indian was like integrated into the bullying. I feel like I was, I kind of had some rough experiences uh, from like fourth grade onward. I, th I had a really? teacher who kind of treated Indian kids. He was kind of a bully. He treated the Indian kids generally, a lot of them a lot worse. Um, you know, we were called like smelly or food was called stinky, things like that. Um, Indian kids were definitely targeted for being different than all the other Asian kids. You know, I remember like uh, in elementary school, and in middle school, I think like, you know, the worst bullying I got or Indian kids got was not from the white kids, but it was from the other Asian kids, uh, which was kind of a shitty experience in retrospect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like stinky, smelly. Dude. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. So I got that too. So I also had like a kind of unique one where I was like, so where, where I grew up now filled with Indians, like. Cool. I mean, probably like I would almost say like 10x the amount of Indians that were there when I was growing up. Awesome. It, in my class of like 500 kids from high school, there must have only been like 10 Indians. Now that it's probably like it's probably over 150. So there were like I don't, I don't think it happens as much now as it did then. But like you know, there there weren't many of us. So like some of them like I would get picked on for being. Indian at school, but then I would go to like 
Indian events or Indian functions and I would get picked on for not looking Indian. So like, I just got it from both sides, which is just like kind of, and I didn't even realize all this stuff at the time, but it was just like so weird, like processing both, like, which one am I? And I was like, I, I would go, I would go to school and like, yeah, there was this one kid. He was the worst. He was like, yeah, he would call me smelly Indian. And like, anytime I like bumped into him, he'd like, I'm going to get the mad cow disease, which is like, doesn't even make any sense. Like you, oh. <laughs> I'm vegetarian. I'm not going to give it to you. You're going to get it yourself. Um, so, and then, yeah, dude, it, it was just a lot of stuff. Like, especially like with all the Dunkin' Donuts jokes and the seven, seven 11 jokes, mm. like kind of dealing with all that was like, but it kind of built me into who I am today. I mean, so the show, the Raj Mahal show, that's because somebody was bullying me and like, started calling me the Raj Mahal and like, I like it stuck with it. Like, I mean, it's, it's like all over my social media now. It's the name of the show. Like I, I just own it now. So it's like, it's kind of fun to like take something back a little bit from it. Yeah. I was going to say Raj Mahal is like a sick name. <laughs> I was also going to ask you like, in what ways do you feel like that affected you today? And it sounds like mostly positively now you feel like you've kind of overcome a lot of it. Yeah. I think it's still, a big part of like a little bit of an identity crisis that I have is like sometimes navigating that. Um, I would say like the bullying part of it. Yeah. I mean, I think it just made me stronger. Like it's, that's, I I mean, I could not be any more proud to be Indian. And I think at some, I think that comes a lot from just seeing the ignorance in other people and seeing like, and like, and it's all like, I think I like it more now because you made fun of me for it then. And like, that's whether or not that's a reason to be proud. I don't know, but I'm just going to kind of take it and run. And it's, it's just, yeah, it's, it's fun. I, there's part of me also that like enjoys sometimes, sometimes that like initial reaction people will give me when like, Oh my God, wait, you're Indian. Like, yeah. it's always a conversation starter at other times though. It kind of like, if you go to like big Indian events and Indian functions and stuff, like, you kind of like feel like a zoo animal almost like, cause like everyone will kind of like start to hear about you and like come up to you and be like, wait, dude, so you're actually Indian. You're actually Telugu. I thought he was just fucking with me. And I was like, nah, man, this is an Indian function. I'm here in Indian clothes. Like I'm, I'm here the same reason you are. Um, so sometimes stuff like that, you know, kind of bothers you a little bit, but and it's not nothing to write home about. Yeah, for sure. I feel like, you know, probably, Nowadays, anything you receive, you could probably just like gloss over it. It's not a huge deal. You're used to it. But, you know, I think I feel like it still takes time to like undo all those years of like childhood formative experiences and stuff. That you, so it's, I, I'm glad you're making progress or have made a lot of progress on that. I appreciate that. So do you think you being on the show kind of maybe pulled you one direction or the other to towards Indian culture? Um, yeah, I mean, I think one unforeseen benefit was like because of it i started getting immersed a lot more into the uh indian social circle in new york and i've been going to more mm-hmm. events in that way and that's been really fun um in a lot of ways to like see what folks are up to see people who are like proud of the culture and like trying to make it more mm-hmm. of a thing out here so that's been uh really enjoyable and stuff uh, I would say, yeah, that, in that sense, pretty positive. I mean, the only, like, if there was a negative, I mean, it would just be, like, the 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 toxic 
shit talking uh, but of the audience. But I think that's true of like any reality show, and I don't think that's necessarily yeah. indicative of Indian culture at all. Did you like when? I guess could do you think like it's kind of the same like with um, you know the other? And then I know you hang out with like Aparna and. Um, who else is like, oh, what's, what was his name? Vinay, right? Vinay Chadda? Yeah, yeah like... Vinay, who used to live in New York. He just moved back to Atlanta, but we hung out a lot over the last okay. year. Okay, cool. Like, do you think, like, collectively as a group, you guys, like... Um, can, do you think it's that kind of, like, the collective feeling? And do you guys, like, kind of go to these events and stuff together? I think a lot of them, you guys are kind of, like, the... Maybe the main attraction of them, right? Maybe. Uh... I think, you know, generally people are in town. Uh, we go to things. Benet goes to a lot of things. I go to some of the things. Um, and other folks will go. Um, yeah, certain people are definitely much more of a draw than me. Like, Aparna is a draw for sure, and maybe Nadia, but I don't really see her at these things a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely cool to go to these things. Gotcha. Do you – did you, like – I know it was a big hit here, like, but did you, like, have any – kind of opportunities or experiences to connect with people in India from the show? Oh, not really. No. Um, Even like reaction wise or like, like post-production wise? Reaction wise. I mean, I'm sure there's people who like, you know, no one specifically reached out to me, you know, maybe I got some DMS from people, but you know, probably it's just like people reacting and watching on Twitter and making memes or making tweets or whatever, things like that. (coughs) Gotcha. No, that's cool. But you didn't get set up. Like, was it just Nadia on the show that you had kind of connected with, or were there other people? Yeah, it was just Nadia. I, I actually didn't even get set up with her. I just kind of showed up, and then she hit on me, and then we started doing separately from Seema Auntie. Seema Auntie didn't fucking hook it up at all. Okay, so that that's, that was, like, my next thing. What was she like? And, like, I'm assuming now from hearing that, you probably don't keep in touch with her. No, I think we talked maybe once over FaceTime, and then we met once in person, and... uh she, uh, I honestly didn't even think she remembered my name until I watched it back and then saw her talking to Nadia and telling Nadia to not date me. And I was like, oh, whoa, at least she remembered me. <laughs> Did she meet like your parents and stuff? No, she didn't meet my parents. Okay. What What was it like? Were your parents involved in the interview process or? Yeah, they were in the show? pre-filming, like in the pre-screen process. They did one interview for an hour and they were super worried about it at first because, like, one, they're, like, uncomfortable with the idea of me. Like, they want me to get married. I don't know what your parents are like. They want me to get married, but they're also uncomfortable of, of the idea of me, like, talking to women. So they were still, like, when I was like, hey, like, I might be match made, they were, like, it's still a little weird. And then the added fact of being on TV, my parents aren't really, like, they're not comfortable doing that kind of thing. But like once they actually had the conversation with a producer and talked for an hour, they were like, Oh, this was really nice and fun, but I don't, they're never, they were never featured on TV. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, I get the same thing too. I'm, I'm a little bit lucky because I have an older brother who's 30 Yeah, and he's getting all the flack right now. I'm like all the, I mean, I, I kid you not, my parents don't have anything else to talk about with him. It's I, just like, that's the only thing. How so, old are you? I'm 27. Nice, me too. Yeah. So I'm I'm like, I think I'm getting there and it's like, it's probably coming at some point. Like I've already kind of heard my grandmother say like, all right, your brother's not doing it. Let's, let's just move on to you. But then I've also got a younger sister um, and 
you know, she's been in a relationship for a little while now. So, and she's the only girl in our family. So she gets that too. Are your parents cool with you guys dating? Like they know that she's in a relationship and stuff and they encourage that? Definitely don't encourage it. Um, Hmm. As far as being okay with it, it's, it's always been really, really um, taboo in our house. Like I've never seriously dated anyone. Like, really? And then neither is really... Like, my sister's really the only one who has, and it's her current boyfriend. Um, is he so Indian? Like, yeah, he's Indian, so that, that's at least something good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think my parents care more about... Like, I think especially being growing up in Iskon, like, where it's a very... It's not just... In the, I mean, at least what it was. Like, it's not just Indian people. It's a it's it's global and like you meet people from all over the world who believe in the philosophy and stuff so you see a lot of uh mixed marriages and things like that which it's like almost as if like it's okay if it's in like the eyes if it's like within you know because like the the how do i say like the attraction was made like in the temple and all that stuff or the match was made within the temple so like i feel like they're able to look past that so they're not like completely against it but they care a lot about the values like like vegetarian and you know definitely no living together and all that stuff like that's like all just out of the question Mm -hmm. yeah like that makes dating i think a little difficult um so i wanted to ask you like what you know you you had mentioned that you're also starting are you the oldest yeah in your family sister who's 19 okay so yeah like um you know, I'm sure you're, you're starting to get it now, but like, has it, first of all, it has that, but then also being on the show, like affected your dating game now? Affected in what way? Really? I, I think good or bad. Like, I think I would say almost like if I, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes, I would probably just feel some massive confusion from what maybe like the publicity I got from being on the show. And the like, find the go the the way about going about finding a partner from what my parents taught me. Like, I think having those two, and then also just me and my personal needs and like personal desires and stuff, just all that blending together, I think would be like super overwhelming and super like confusing for me. So I'm really curious to hear like how 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 it's been for you. Yeah, I mean, as far as like being on the the experience of the show, like I always feel like I'm trying to like learn and grow and determine what I need and what I want to do from every relationship or experience I've been in. Um, and I mean, one of the things that I feel like I'm always working on is like, you know, balancing the needs of my parents with my own needs and figuring out like what it is I actually want. And so, I mean, similar to you, my parents were like giving me shit about, you know, marriage for like years, five, six years, that was all they would talk about. And actually more recently, it's quieted down in really since the show came out. And I don't know what it was. I think like they were kind of just like, all right, like we don't want to like mess too much with this situation right now, you know, and they're like, he'll figure it out. Hopefully when he figures it out. So every now and then it's still like a tick for them where they're like, just like, can you please get married? Do it soon. Do it for us. You know, and I'm yeah. just like, I can drown that out but versus like, you know, before it was like every day, every phone call is just like really tough. Yeah. Uh, so now I actually, with them like quieting down a little bit, I feel less of a pressure to like 
get married sooner. It's been a lot more chill. I don't feel like a, a rush and a need to do that. Um, and mostly, I mean, yeah, you know, just like figuring out what I want. I've actually been ta- trying to put my dating life on the back burner a little bit for the first time in a long time. And just like mm-hmm. focusing on like my career and like, um, dating takes like a long time and I don't want to waste time on that, you know? And so, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been good. No, no, that's great. I mean, yeah, like the the apps and stuff. I mean, I'm sure it's probably better in New York than it is here in San Francisco. That's what everyone says. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All my dating apps and stuff because it's just like too overwhelming, you know? Yeah. It just takes a lot of time out of the day, man. Like, you know, you spend, especially if people like like people pay for it, you just swipe for all day, all day. And it's like, you know, the odds of something actually like coming to fruition are low. And then it's all just a just a big time waster and stuff. So yeah, no, I can, I can definitely appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I guess like, did you, did you date like growing up at all? Like when you were out here? Um, I mean, yeah, but I was like a late bloomer cause I, yeah, definitely like super nerdy, not very good with the girls, you know, regular Indian kid shit, not very cute, but I had my first, girl friend girl that was interested in me junior year of high school okay. and then i had a girlfriend end of senior year that continued for a year into college and when we were dating you know all the girlfriends i had since then they were pretty much a secret from my parents you know i would go out and hang out with her and be like oh i'm meeting a friend you know yeah we would go out to dinner and stuff but you know so there, there was some of that by the end but i wasn't like a fucking i wasn't fucking around in middle school or whatever i was in that <laughs> that cool kid. No, no, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not, not really at all. Um, I think I definitely, definitely not really in high school. I was always the kind of guy that like, I liked a lot of girls and like, obviously like, especially like when I was, I was on the swim team and I swam kind of through college and stuff like, cool. but specifically in high school, like they were all, the running joke with me was always like whatever new girl joined the team. Like I would always usually be into her and kind of, it just so happened that like, a lot of really hot girls just started joining our team. So like, I just like, I was just probably a little bit more vocal about it. And like, so I would try and then honestly, I got rejected by all of them. So like, they all just didn't go anywhere. So it's not to say that I didn't necessarily try in high school, but I think the fact that it didn't like, like I didn't at all was a lot of it was because like, it was also like not something that was talked about openly in my family and stuff. And then once I got to college, like, I tried. I, I honestly, it was just more like kind of going with the flow in college. And like, I think everyone goes into college with this pressure and that, or maybe not everyone, but like a lot of people like want to meet that person, the, the person they end up with in college. Like you want to meet freshman year and you want to kind of like, cause it's just like fun. Like we were college sweethearts and you know, you remember all your, you have all the same friends and stuff like that. Like, you know, I, so I tried, I tried, to kind of like make that come to happen for me and didn't necessarily work. But I think the biggest thing was like, like I said, like we didn't talk about this. And then suddenly, like once I, once I was like set and like I got my job and I'm, you know, became more or less independent. That's when it just kind of shifted to like, wait, hold on, wait, why aren't you married yet? Like you're done with school, you're making money. Like it doesn't make sense. Why aren't you married? And I'm like, what do you mean? You can't just ask that question. Like, it's like, it, it takes time to get to this. And like, that is the biggest thing I'd probably like argue with my parents about is like, they, they're always like, 
you feel like you need to take all this time to get to know someone like it and then what you're gonna break up after two years like it doesn't it, like you just you just get married and then work on getting to know people i'm like there's truth to that philosophy but like i don't think it's that black and white so yeah i mean that's the story of you know every indian kid and our parents just don't get it i was actually at the tenement museum this weekend in new york mm -hmm. uh, and um they were talking about you know a hundred years ago um like uh how the jewish kids that were moving in from russia they would go there was like these matchmakers and the matchmakers would start to like lose a ton of money because all the the kids that moved to america wanted to meet and fall in love in the american way and not like the traditional way with a matchmaker like they used to and how that was a big thing and i was like oh my god like even a hundred years ago in like this different community that was the same problem they were having that we're having right now so that's just the story of you know immigrants it's a terrible yeah. no for sure and i think also one thing that like you know another reason i wanted to like, like start this podcast and like kind of start this platform was really hear about that male indian perspective on, on this and the thing is like i know for a fact indian like girls who grew up in south asian culture had a lot of the times experience like a lot more pressure and a lot more or kind of maybe f convinced or forced into like sacrificing their careers and sacrificing their just like you know to get married a lot to get married really really, really young and stuff and i think there's a lot of dialogue and there's a lot of um conversation out there that brings attention to that but i feel like there's not as much of like the the same thing that guys face and the same thing that you know we have to process and we deal with so like do you think like i guess do you think there is a difference between what guys and girls would fit I mean, within your own family too because I mean, you also have a sister yeah i mean it's tough to say because like not only because like yes my sister is you know a girl but she's also like much younger than me so i don't know like how to like extricate those two factors i mean she's still in college right now mm -hmm. so she just hasn't heard anything about marriage at all. And so I don't know what her experience will be like with my parents in a couple of years. And so I, mean, for the most part, I actually feel like her treatment by my parents is so much more chill. Yeah. Uh, you know, just being the younger sibling, like I, I had to deal with a lot of shit. So I got locked in the house so she could run, you know? Oh yeah. Okay. I, I can relate to that too. Yeah. My, my brother, my older brother was like the perfect kid. You know, got good grades, got never caused any problems. I was more of like the troublesome one where like, you know, got in trouble at school, struggled in school, was yeah. always more vocal about like girls and stuff that I I, I liked, oh, yeah. which like like my brother never really brought those things to my parents. He was a lot smarter where like he just kinda did everything on his own. Mm -hmm. Uh but then by the time like my sister came around dude sure just she just got away with everything like awesome. i think the best example is like when i asked a girl to prom it was like a huge my mom was so pissed like yeah. i was traveling for a swim meet in like north carolina and she had texted me saying your dad's coming to pick you up right now you're in so much trouble this was the most embarrassing thing i had to deal with you're so like <laughs> and like it's funny because that prom day ended up being like a horrible experience but like that's beside the point but it was just like funny because then she 
No, I mean that's it was it was nothing nothing really on her. It was just more me probably expect like I thought because I asked her to prom like all right she's into me like it's obviously like we're probably gonna date after this and I completely misread that and uh, kind of dealt with the consequences of that. So it was again like I I think like I went through a lot as a kid with doing dealing with these things, but when you look back on it, it's like I, I hate to ever like say that it was ever like anything too serious because it really wasn't like all this stuff was just like normal stuff that kids go through. I just think it got amplified because maybe my parents didn't quite know how to deal with it. And I definitely didn't know how to deal with it. So it made it a lot worse than it actually was, but no, it was a bad prom date experience. It was, there's nothing like nothing like really, really bad that happened. Um, But it's funny. Like, so that, you know, that happened where I went and my mom was super pissed. Then my sister, they bought her a $500 dress. Both my parents showed up for the pictures. They paid for the limo. Like it was, she got, she got it all. Part of it was probably because she went with an Indian guy, but uh, you know, she got still, yeah, who was a little crazy too. Do you ever talk to your parents about that and be like, yeah, why did, why were you so cool with her going with a guy and now me going with a girl? Yeah. They kind of deflect it. They're just like, uh, you know, what do we do? She does whatever she wants. She, I mean, they, it's just the, they're the younger sibling, right? They just got to get away with everything. That's so funny. Yeah. I feel like my parents have said similar things about my sister. Not that she does whatever she wants, but they're much more like it, it is what it is. You know, <laughs> where with me, they're like, we got to put in all this work to make this situation what we want it to be. And yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, so yeah, man, cool. I definitely that's definitely got got some good insight in like how you grew up and like what your your experience has been like. So I want to jump into your your stand up career and really what how how you got into that and like really hear about like some of your influences and stuff. So you said earlier you started it when you were here in San Francisco. Like what what really like brought you into it? Yeah, um, there's like a multitude of reasons and some i actually forgot until recently i was discussing in therapy because actually i was discussing a lot of like kind of career things in therapy lately or just like what i where i'm at in my life and what i want to be doing so i've been reflecting a lot on that but i think you know i always was like a goofy kid tried to be funny um you know i was always you know, written up with notes about talking too much. And I always loved making people laugh. And I loved performing too, um, being the center of attention. Um, and also like, and being a little more like not on the cool side. I think I always try to like, at least get some amount of attention by making people laugh through the years. And then, you know, getting into like college and stuff. I loved being the guy who was like really telling funny stories at parties, you know, things like that. And then I was like, at a point in my life, a couple years out of college, I was just like, I was like, I don't want to be spending my evenings drinking or watching TV or doing nothing with my life. I was kind of in a rut. And I read this article that I totally forgot I read until I was talking about therapy recently. It was like on this website, Cracked. Do you remember Cracked? Yeah. Yeah. The article was all about like, it was like, it was speaking to me. It's like, yo, is your life? Like, are you in a rut? Like, this is how you got to fix your life. And I think the essence of it was like, you got to like figure out a way to like create instead of just consume. 
you know? And I was like, well, all right, what do I want to do with my life? And I had a couple months off between jobs. I left my last job. I was going to join uh, Google and uh, it was just with my buddy in a cafe one day and we looked up open mics and I was like, what if I go to this tonight? And we just went and I didn't prepare. I didn't realize stand up comedy was pre-written at that point. I don't know why, but I just, it was a music mic too. So I was the only comedian that went in between all this music mm-hmm. comedian. And I went and I just told a story for five minutes. And I was also like super nervous. I was like shaking. My heart was palpitating. I was sweating, like so nervous, told a story, got like negative laughter. Um, <laughs> I went off and this is, this is how I know I was like ready to be a comedian. Cause I was like, that was the most traumatic experience in my life. I can't wait to do it again. And it's, <laughs> I just like kind of kept doing it, uh, you know, once a week at first, because I was so nervous that I had to like prepare and then like cool off from nerves. Yeah. And then once I started working through that, I was able to do it more. And then it just became a thing where I just did it every day. And then yeah, kind of the rest is history. Okay. Yeah, dude. Like I, I, I kind of want to hear more about like that. Cause yeah, like, like you said, it's pre-written and it takes, it takes a lot of work. Like, um, I guess content creating, but also then like something like, you know, cause I think being a stand-up comedian is a little bit of content creation and yeah. you know, that it's, it's, it's like when, you know, when you had to give those like five minute presentations in, in, in school, like you realize how long five minutes can actually be if you don't have anything yeah. to talk about. So like how, like what, what that, that negative experience, like were you booed off stage or was it like. No, no, no. I mean, the, the audience was super nice. Like, no one booed me off. Okay. I just wasn't funny, you know? And I, didn't <laughs> anything, I didn't write any jokes, and I was just also nervous. And I think when someone sees a performer is really uncomfortable and nervous, they feel uncomfortable and nervous. But yeah. it's just, you know, growing pains. It is what it is. It's just something I had to do to, like, eventually get to the other side, you know? Yeah, for sure. You don't work through nerves by never going up. Exactly, yeah. Who's your, like, who, do you have an inspiration in comedy that, you know, that you model your set off of or that you, uh, has just inspired you? Yeah, I would say for sure it's John Mulaney because I remember, like, you know, I used to watch, like, a lot of stand-up in, like, middle school and high school and I would watch uh-huh. these comedians and I'd be like, that's something I could never do. That looks so cool. And then I remember 2012, New in Town, the special comes out and I was, I would watch him and I was like it was so funny also and I, this is gonna sound like a dig but it's not but John Mulaney is a guy where like you watch him and you're like this guy looks like he just like walked on the stage and like it, like his act outs were almost like parodies of act outs and it just made it look so much more accessible I guess yeah. and I also related to him a lot because you know back then his whole sh- persona was like, Oh, I'm not super masculine. I'm not whatever. Just, I just showed up here. And so I was like, Oh, I could do that. And so I just kind of stuck over the years and I was like, all right. And I mean, now he's like super popular. People think he's like a genius and he is, you know, so definitely learned a lot from him. For sure. Do you, um, do you feel like, do you like, um, did you watch any of like the Indian comics or I guess there's, I think there's a lot more coming up recently. I think you being one of them, um, you know, I think before it was just kind of like Aziz Ansari, Russell Peters, but like now, I mean, there's just tons of them. I think my favorite right now is Akash Singh. 
like watching his like his uh his reels and stuff i mean they always have me dying um do you feel like indians are underrepresented in, in comedy or do you feel like they i guess that, that wasn't really like the fair question i guess like do you feel like in, um do you feel like you've had some Indian influencer, like Indian comic influence from like yeah. those other guys? Influence is a tough word because it's hard for me to look at the last like three or four years and say someone has influenced me, you know, because mm. influence, I feel like that's like someone who's like dug into your subconscious. And so that's someone who's like, you probably grew up with. And so for sure, I think like Aziz was someone I watched a lot when I was young, you know, I watched Parks and Rec in like 2010 and stuff. It's crazy yeah. thing he's been around that long, you know, because he seems young like the rest of us. Yeah. Um, but him, for, I remember watching Russell Peters in middle school. Everyone loved him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, nowadays, like, I try to keep up with like all of the Indian comics that are like on the come up, and um, definitely had the opportunity to meet a lot of them out in New York, and so that's been awesome. Yeah. Uh, and so many of them are super funny. So, yeah. Have you like performed with any of them, or like done group shows with any of them? Yeah, like a month ago, I did this Diwali show where there were a lot of like, you know, Indian comics who were really big on social media. Mm -hmm. And then there was me. It's, <laughs> but it was cool to meet. Uh, Zarna Garg was there. Yeah. Uh, Usama Siddiqui was there. Uh, Sahib Singh was there. Um, Nimesh Patel was there. So like nice. a lot of the, the big names. For sure. No, that's dope. Do you, I, I think this is kind of like a, a question I've always like had for like any comic really, but like, how do you toe that line in comedy where, especially now in today's world where I think everyone is on the spotlight, everything's being recorded. And I think as, as you know, like things can be taken out of context very, very easily. How do you toe the line of like, what's offensive, what's too far, what's politically correct? Like, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean. I feel like a big part of it is just like you just keep workshopping and trying until something works in every situation. And um, I feel like that's the struggle that a lot of big comics are dealing with now is that when you're like on the come up and, you know, you're on, you don't have an audience and they don't love everything you say, like they will be truthful with you. Like if there's something that's like uncomfortable you know, they are not going to laugh at it. And you're going to be like, all right, let me go back to the drawing board and try to make this funny in a way that's not uncomfortable. But then you have mm -hmm. someone like Dave Chappelle who like every audience he performs in front of, they're going to laugh at everything he says, even if it's not funny because he's Dave yeah. Chappelle. And then you record that and then you put that out on Netflix and you watch it and you're not in the room. And then you're like, wait a second, this isn't funny. This is just mean, you know? And so... Then they're dealing with the, the blowbacks that. And so I, the laugh shouldn't lie at a certain point. But then once you build an audience, it's like, all right, they're always going to lie. So, has that, has that yeah. happened to you yet? Where like, maybe you, um, you may have said something that offended someone and you were either approached or like, felt like you had to address it in some way. Um, I mean, rarely do people directly approach me about it, but sometimes, you know, I'll say a joke that's maybe a little edgier and for some reason or another, you know, maybe I deliver it wrong 
where the mm. audience isn't down for it. And then I could sense they're uncomfortable and I have to try to win them back. And, you know, I'm really bad at editing. I'll rarely go back to something and try to like make it work universally. If it's like a little risque, um, which is something I need to be better about. Uh, but you know, thankfully no one's approached me, but I do have an indication of what things need to be reworked. It's just a function of like, will I rework it? No, that's dope. Um, have you like, what's your, I'm assuming you've been heckled before then. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. I think everyone has, but you know, generally a lot of the heckling I receive is like not malicious. You know, it's like someone who's like trying to like respond to something or try to like, you know, add in some way. And so I generally don't have to like shut anything down. You know, I just try to, and I think people appreciate that. I think I'm just like, even if I'm just like, Oh, that was, I don't know what to say. People will laugh, you know, <laughs> me being honest. Yeah. No, and I think also, like, heckling is just, it's almost, it's part of comedy. Like, I mean, that's how you kind of, like, it, you build it into your bits a little bit, and then, like, you can kind of use that to segue into something else, or, like, you can engage. And, like, I think it's always, like, I always love it when comics get heckled. Like, yeah. I, 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 I always feel guilty about it, because I'm, I'm always, like, damn, like, that probably just really threw him off a little bit, or threw her off a little bit. But then, like, it's it's usually hilarious, like the banter that they have or like what they come up with afterwards. Like, it's just all genius comedy, I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and you see, you're seeing a lot of comics post their like crowd work and riffing and heckling clips now just because there is this impetus to put out content, so much content all the time. And you can't write at the pace that, you know, you can come up with like a random crowd work clip if you're performing all the time. Yeah, for sure. Cool, dude. And the one thing that you brought up that I didn't have, uh, I, I didn't have on my list here, but I wanted to kind of just like talk about a little bit more is you, you'd mentioned that you go to therapy and yeah. I definitely, I'm not going to put you in a tough spot and definitely, you know, share only what you're willing to share. But like, this is something that I know for a fact is not talked about enough. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm definitely not the first person to say that. And I, um, I recognize that like, especially within the South Asian community, South Asian men specifically, like there's such a stigma of like talking about it and just even saying like, God, you know, I go to therapy and I get help and stuff. So I can, I can really appreciate that you were really open about it. Like, I guess what has been your like experience with that? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's funny you say that because I'm actually trying to bring up that I go to therapy less because I feel like there's almost this running joke now of like, dudes will bring up that they go to therapy on dates as to seem like that's a green flag. And I'm like, no, no, that's not my point. You know, it's just, it's just a fact of my life. You know, I think I'm too affected by like what a meme <laughs> says. And I'm just like, I don't want to be that guy, but no, I, I, it's just like a fact of my life. Like I always like to think of therapy as like a safety net, you know, where I feel really stressed out if I don't have that time scheduled for like a week or two out, you know, and even if I don't have anything specifically to talk about, um, lately, you know, I've been having no particular crises that I've been discussing in therapy. And it's just like, that's when I've really been able to get into like the deeper insights and working on the things that I haven't been able to for, for years. And so, um, definitely, I think it's positive. I enjoy it. I think everyone should. I think 
even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, you definitely will. Um, I think my parents at first uh, were like, you know, 10 years ago, they were like opposed to it. And then I don't think they wanted me to go to therapy at first. I started maybe three years ago going consistently. They were like, we don't want, you know, some, you to tell someone all these things and, you know, all the whatever. And I also brought up that, you know, when my sister has been dealing with anxiety, I was like, you should take her to therapy. And then finally got to a point where they were like, all right, we're down to let her go to therapy if she wants to go. And my sister was the one who didn't want to go, but I think they've come around a little bit on it. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about it as much, but I feel like in the circles, our generation, we run in the circles, we run in our generation. It's not as stigmatized, which is good. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if I answered your question. I just kind of want No, no, you definitely did. My my own my comments on one of the things that you said about it not being stigmatized is like I think this like when you said like there was a meme out there that said guys just want to talk about therapy as a green flag, like that just shows you how I think messed up though we are in some regards and how like you can just that's how I think that maybe just in regards to dating specifically, that just shows you how hard it actually is. Like yeah. it's a no like it's something that people would have always said like you know, there's stigma against it and like people don't talk about it enough. And now it's been shifted into like, oh, he's just trying to like make himself look good on a date and stuff. And it's like, yeah, that just, I mean, to me, I mean, that just kind of sucks to hear, you know, like here we it's are a- trying to like make ourselves better and bring more attention to something that historically has been also talked about that we don't talk about it enough. And now that we do, you're trying to make it seem like, and I don't know who's saying these things, but like, you know, trying to make it sound that we're doing it just to make ourselves look better. Yeah, I mean, you know, it feels very much like a lose-lose kind of thing. Yeah. And I think one of the things that irks me with, you know, our generation and the younger generation, people nowadays, is like everyone is looking for red flags all the time and everyone is looking to call things toxic. And, you know, any little thing you do, people are like, that's that's toxic, that's a red flag. And I'm like, I feel like the real red flag is looking for red flags constantly, you know, and just like looking to find imperfections in everybody because we all fucking suck. We're all perfect. Have a little bit of grace and understanding and like be nice to people. Yeah. No, I mean, I think really what, what it really probably like where that all generated from was like some douchebag probably abused it and probably who doesn't go to therapy, probably put it out there that he does just to try to like manipulate someone and, Mm. You know, just kind of wrecked it for everyone else. But, hey, I guess that's life. Like you said, it's just a lose-lose. I mean, you just got to roll with the punches. But, no, I mean, to what you said earlier about also, like, not wanting to talk about it as much. I mean, I definitely I definitely really appreciate it. I definitely really like to hear, like, you know, people who are in the spotlight a little bit and people who, I guess, just have the platforms, like, really talking about it, really talking about, like, and I think it, it goes a step further when like people talk about what they talk about in therapy and kind of like, yeah. again, it, I think it should be a personal thing and it, and it is a personal thing, but I definitely, I, I really appreciate the the courage and the confidence to, to, to put it out there. So, Oh, well, yeah. Thanks for saying that, man. I mean, I guess I didn't even realize I was talking about it. I, I it just kind of sort of came up naturally as something that's been on my mind. So yeah, I wasn't trying to, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about it any which way, but yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to talk about it, bring it up. And I try to be very open with the things I struggle with, or maybe to a fault at times, but, um, you know, hopefully that's helpful to someone somewhere. Yeah, for sure. I'm, uh, I think coming up in a few weeks, I'm working to get, um, 
this other gentleman who started a kind of platform called Brown Boy Therapy, okay. where it's tailored specifically to South Asian men to, you know, bring more attention and bring kind of like, I think specifically with, I think it's targeted a lot to like the older generation too, who, who oh, really cool. need it, who definitely won't go for it. Dude, my dad but, fucking needs therapy. <laughs> Yeah, I've got I've got a certain family that need it too, and that, I mean they just they'll they'll always come out with why would I I know who I am I know who my I know like my, where my subconscious is and stuff why would I spend money on somebody else to tell me that but really what it is is I think people have a fear of being told that they're they're wrong or that they need to change or that the way they're doing something is not the right way to do it and like that's why I think a lot of people don't go. Wow. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like you can't force anyone to change. Who's not willing, willing to, to change. change. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was lucky though. Like my, my parents were really open about it mm. and they, oh, like- yeah, like my, both my parents, uh, my, both of my parents went and continued to go. So like it was something that was talked about really early. I, I think a lot of it was because of like, like I was talking about earlier, like I started to go when I had, like when I went to prom, like that prom experience and stuff. And it's like, that's what started it. And that's why I felt like I needed to go to like learn how to like process all that. But like now the stuff that I go for is much more intense and much more like and, and intense in the sense that like, I go for more like real reasons now than what I used to go when I started. But the reason I started was was because of all of I mean that I don't think if it had that much of an impact on you that it that you needed to go, I don't think it's not a real reason, you know, because like the feelings that you were feeling were still real. Yeah. Well, the reason I say that is because the reason I went, I had this insane need for attention when I was a kid. And I did a lot of stupid things to myself and stuff like that to get attention. And, you know, that's why when I look back on it, I never like to give it that much importance because like I, I don't I don't want to give it attention because I was exactly like the problem I was trying to fix then you know. Yeah, so it's definitely it's definitely I don't know if I think about it properly or not. Um, I don't know if I even explain it properly, but that's just the truth. I never like because it was a big deal then to the people around me that I really like to because I know people go through real things. And what I went through was not to the magnitude of that, which is why I never like to categorize it as such. I mean, you don't got to diminish your own problems and experiences to say that, you know, other, I I see what you're saying, uh, Mm. but, you know, I think you still got to accept every part of it. I think there's a documentary you really like. I don't know if you've already seen it. It's called Stutz that just came out on Netflix. Have you heard of this? I'm not, no. I've been watching it, dude. It's really good two thirds of the way through it's Jonah Hill making a documentary about his therapist, Phil Stutz, who, um, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but he has a lot of really good insights and tools on to, you know, how to improve your situation and just therapy in general, but it ends up also becoming part documentary, part documentary about a documentary. Highly recommend it. I think you really like it. For sure, yeah, that sounds that sounds really cool. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that out. Um, it's on Netflix, you said. Yeah, it's called Stutz. S T U T Z. That's his name. Sweet. All right, I'm gonna check that out. All right, man. Well, right, kind of getting to the end here. I wanted to 
I like to open it up at the end for like my hot take rapid fire sections. So recently, you know, um, I went out for dinner with my friends on Friday and I talked about some of, uh, some of like the, what the combinations I make with Indian food. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, what are three Indian foods that can be eaten with non-Indian condiments and vice versa that you eat? Because I know everyone has it. They just don't talk about it. Oh, wait. Can you give me an example? Like, what were the combinations you were doing? Yeah. So I'll give you my top three. Yeah. Uh, So one of my favorite snacks is Cheez-Its and Chaat Masala. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Surprisingly great combination. So good. Um. Bagels. So I, so I used to, you know, I try to eat a little healthier now, so I'm not eating it as much. But a bagel, half side is pit is uh, cream cheese and pickle, and then the other side is butter and chaat masala. Whoa! So fire. And then the last one. This is the one I got flack for on Friday. So I make dosas at home. Oh, sick! Dosas and ketchup. Jesus Christ, <laughs> dude! You should. You should try it. It's actually like surprisingly really good. Like a crispy dosa. It's good. Do you make like masala <laughs> or just like a plain dosa? Plain dosa. With ketchup. And I just eat it on the side. Dude, yeah, this is a tough one because I don't think I really do this. Like, I mean, what I will do is like if I go to like an Indian buffet, I will like mix everything together and I'll make like a giant curry of curries. Um, but I don't really like do that kind of stuff at home. Um, I guess what I will do is like, I will cook and like, I'll make like healthier versions of like food. I really like. And one thing I do a lot is like, I will substitute Greek yogurt in in for like cream or butter or yogurt or things like that to make it healthier, you know? So I'll do that for like biryanis and take a masala and stuff. Um, but besides that, I sh- I'm also like weird about food and that I'm like very, like, I like to keep my cuisine separate, you know, I'm not a big fusion guy. So maybe this is like a lesson for me and that maybe I should. Oh, I think you, you're muted. Damn, my bad. Sorry, my boss is pinging me, asking me where I am. <laughs> so, no. Um, You're at the Raj Mahal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm live. You, uh, you'd be surprised with the, the combinations you can make. I mean, I would, I would add paneer and pizza on here, but like oh, that's I mean, okay. Paneer pizza is pretty good. Um, yeah. I was looking on Insta Explorer recently, and I saw someone made like a a paneer pasta with like you know Maggie. Uh, mix or whatever. And I was like, that actually looks pretty decent, you know? Yeah, dude. It's uh, Maggie's also, you can do a lot with that. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, dude. Anyway, man, dude, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thanks for like giving me all the insight, giving me kind of your experiences on the show experiences. I mean, what I love is, I mean, we, I thought we were going to really only talk about the show, but we, we talked about so much more. So thank you so yeah. much for like sharing some insight, giving me some insight into your life, your experiences definitely learned a lot from you and got a, got a lot of inspiration from you so again like really i mean we don't we don't really know each other that well yet but um looking looking forward to you coming out to the bay hopefully we can, ca- I can catch one of your shows definitely let me know and i'll yeah. be there and likewise man thanks for chatting with me i feel like i i learned a lot from chatting with you as well and hearing about your experiences and i'm glad we could relate on a lot of things yeah definitely
again, any, any, as soon as you're in the bed, just let me know. Hit me up. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, bro.